Hey, hey. Hey. About time. Oh. I was kind of busy. <laughs> no, I was struggling with some uh, yeah. issues because apparently the Wi-Fi is out on campus. So I had to come over to our campus ministry building and get use the Wi-Fi here. So, and then I was that was not wanting to work either. Oof! Are we working on getting a uh, Christiana on? Yeah, I sent her the the invite. Okay. Feel bad because she's been waiting. Mm. She was like, is there a link? I was like, well, if I send out the link, the recording's going to start, and I say it's not ready yet. Yeah, stupid Chiefs had to force overtime and then win. Ridiculous. The Bills went ahead with 13 seconds left. That's all the Chiefs needed to get in field goal range. Like, okay. I'm going to go throw up now. <laughs> I can't stand them. Uh, I was hoping the Bills were winning, going to win. I like Josh Allen. Oh, he's something special. I don't know. I just, I don't, I can't, I don't really care for Mahomes too much. I think the, I think this um, success went to his head just a bit. Mm. They consider him one of him the best quarterback in football right now. Yeah, he's pretty okay. special. Also, he's a what? He's he's a pretty special talent. Also, him and uh, Al. Oh uh, yeah, but definitely generational talents. Yeah, she said she'll be right on. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean. You want to see him successful, but at the same time, you don't want him to get a big head, but it's kind of hard. Yeah. At least hopefully he won't turn out like his brother. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to cancel a bar because he couldn't fit his whole crew there. It's a little excessive. And he really only blew up after his brother got famous. Oof. Yeah. So, who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl then? Oof. I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, I think um, the Chiefs and... Probably the Rams. That would be a pretty epic showdown. Yeah. They both have good offenses. Yeah. I would I would say both of their defenses are all right, but not like something special. Yeah. So I think it's going to be probably a shootout. Yeah. I knew this Chiefs-Bills game would be a shootout. Like, it was just inevitable. Oh, yeah. Josh Allen's a gunslinger. Yeah, he threw to this one guy, this one guy, four receiving touchdowns. Um, 
Gabriel Davis. It was crazy. He had four touchdowns, that one guy? Yep. <laughs> it was insane. They said it was the postseason record for receiving touchdowns in a game. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. And I've never heard of that person. <laughs> yeah. he He's not even their best wide receiver. Like, he's... He's one of them, but yeah, kind of unexpected. Their top one is the guy that came in from the Vikings, isn't it? Yeah, Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name. He didn't do much damage at all tonight. <laughs> he was probably getting doubled. That's why that guy got so much yeah. att- attention. <laughs> uh, but at least it's not Tom Brady. Yeah, that was when he lost today. They said it's only the second time he will not be in the championship round since 2011. Jeez, like what? Wild, I don't even remember who won that year. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, we are on like almost Super Bowl sixty, almost. <laughs> it's yeah. Hard to keep track. It doesn't even feel. How is that right anymore? Like what? I think it's fifty six. Yeah, I mean, fifty six. Yeah. I remember when it was fifty, and now it's already at fifty six. Because <laughs> fifty was when the Panthers went. Yeah, Panthers, Broncos, right? Or. Yeah. Yeah, that's who it was. It was hard to watch because Juan Miller was destroying them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, their defense. Some people are trying to say that Cam Newton got paid to throw that game. Oof. He he was kind of just – I was really surprised at how big he choked that game. I don't think he – I think he's too competitive. I don't think he would do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he won a championship at Auburn. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like his first couple of years in the league, he was like would get sour when they were losing, so I doubt he would purposely <laughs> try to lose the game, yeah. the biggest game that they can go to. He was like a, almost like a one-year wonder, you know, like he was good, really good for like a year or two. But... Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. Sorry I made you wait so long. <laughs> no, that's okay. I um, was actually getting food because I just spent three hours at the gym, so. Sheesh. Three yeah. hours? Yeah. <laughs> what does one do for three hours at the gym? Um, I mean, I lifted weights for most of that time, so. Dang. Yeah. What did you get for dinner? Oh, I'm just eating soup and toast, so fancy. This very like five star restaurant style. Um, no, it was. I mean, it's something that was made at home. So, <laughs> what kind of soup? Um, it's like a lasagna soup. I don't know. My mom made it, and it's just leftover. But it Ooh. has like noodles in it and meat, and so it's really good. I've never heard of lasagna soup. That's interesting. Sound. Yeah, it's like a different form of Italian. It's probably not authentic, but 
<laughs> I think most foods are very rarely authentic. Right. Things. Right. I mean, people eat at Olive Garden. It's like the <laughs> biggest Italian restaurant ever. Right. It's like the Taco Bell of Italian restaurants. Listen, <laughs> the breadsticks, though. <laughs> mm, they're not that good. I can make better at home. Well, true. true. <laughs> but I don't know. You didn't have to say it, but it's true. I did. I always have to say it. <laughs> that is true. You. I don't think you ever not speak the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you just wreck people constantly left and right. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should get this show on the road then. So Isaiah, Isaiah, what was your question you had for her first? Start oh, off. Yeah. I had a couple lighthearted questions, you know. Um, <laughs> what I was just like, you know, um, kind of on Twitter, like, um, what's like an example of like one of the most like bizarre interactions you've had with someone on Twitter or like super weird DM or like something like that, you know? Oh, um, well, I, I did not prepare for any of these questions, first of all, so if anyone's listening, um, I, wow, I guess my most bizarre interaction that I would say was a message that a guy sent me one time that was basically a proposal, but it was very long, and it was him basically assuming that I did want to date him, and we'd never talked before, <laughs> ever, never, this is the first time you have ever messaged me. And he was like, he assumed that I was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which I don't know why he said that. I think it's because I have a friend who's there and I mentioned it one time. And so he was like, that's not too far from where I live. I can drive up and we can have dinner. And then after we have dinner, we can like talk about stuff. He's like, I'm not looking for a friend, by the way. I'm looking for a wife. So just so you know, he's like, I think some of our values align in our politics and stuff. He's like, I'm not looking to like play around like we're going to get married. And I was like, okay, so um he was very serious. Um, he apologized later on because my friend messaged him and was like, that's like not the move. <laughs> um, but that's probably one of the weirdest interactions that I've ever had. Um, because he definitely thought that we were meant to be. We were not. I can promise you. <laughs> that is very funny. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I mean, it was like a, he basically wrote a thesis about how much he wanted to get to know me. And I was like, my, my guy, this is not it. <laughs> that should be listed on the top five things not to say to a woman. Right, exactly. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter people are special. I mean. <laughs> Twitter is like literally like a mishmash of the absolute worst of humanity and the absolute best. And it's yeah. like... It's like they were thrown into a bottle and just shook up and sprayed everywhere. <laughs> you don't know yeah. what to expect on a given day. You might it's have, like you might have a yeah. bunch of good re- interactions, or you might have a bunch of terrible. Yeah, it's like walking into a room where nobody actually knows you, but they all have heard rumors about you, and so then they make assumptions, and then they just start yelling at you mm-hmm. what they think about you, and none of them are correct. That's how yeah. it feels. It's terrible. And actually, I took an unintentional break. Um, the past 10 days I was off and it wasn't even on purpose. I just deleted the app off my phone because I was like, I'm kind of tired of this. And then I just ended up not tweeting at all for 10 days. And when I got back on today, 
I was like, I, I never should have logged back on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I should have stayed gone. I should have just ghosted everyone and left um, because it was insane. Like people started coming for me immediately. And I was like, can you guys let me rest for 10 minutes? Like, please. Just I like de- a little. <laughs> I definitely noticed your absence because I, I <laughs> you tweet a lot. So I mm-hmm. tend to see it a lot. So it was like yeah. something fell off, you not being around. Yeah, I didn't miss it, though, at all, to be honest. Like, I, I did not even think about it. So the only reason I got mm. back on is because I feel like I should use the platform, but I could survive without it. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Sometimes I've taken breaks, and it's like, I don't really miss this. Mm-hmm. You, it, you feel more at, more at peace. Mm-hmm. Like, at, yeah. when, you fir- when you first get off, you, you feel like you're, like, you're kind of itching, like, to get back on it because you feel like you're missing something. Right. But then as like the break goes longer, you're like, this is actually more peaceful. Why did I, why did right. I ever want to get back on? Yeah. You're like, wow, I can, I can breathe. Like I told a friend that I was like, I feel like I can breathe because I'm not on Twitter. I don't have all these guys coming from my neck all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. What was your other question? Um, my other question. <laughs> um, was um are are you willing to admit that you're secretly like a big pumpkin spice fan no i knew it was gonna be something about this no no pumpkin spice tastes like if you accidentally fell on your face in a bath and body works like the store like if you fell down and accidentally inhaled some of the soap that's how it tastes Oof. Yeah, it's not good. That or you fell into a spice cabinet. <laughs> okay, that sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> really? You should try it. Let us know how it goes. Okay. <laughs> Get a nose full of cumin or something. Cumin, <laughs> I think, and, and cinnamon look very similar. But not really. Way different. No, no, it would be really cumin. bad if you mix those up. It would, it would be really, really bad. Oh yeah, it would definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> would be very bad. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of another spice I haven't cooked in a hot, a hot minute. That segues into my next question. What is your favorite thing to cook? Since I know you like to cook. Oh my goodness. Um. Well, lately I just eat a lot of chicken and rice because I like. I'm a gym rat, so that's kind of my daily thing. Um, my goodness, what do I like to cook? I don't know. I like a variety of different things, um, like pasta and sauces. I make a lot of that. Um, yeah, so I love making sauce and meatballs, um, like authentic Italian sauce from scratch. Mm. Um, so that's like one thing that I really enjoy making, but it does take forever. So I don't usually do it because it takes at least eight hours. <laughs> Oof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's really good it's worth it so yeah that's another thing i missed when you were gone we didn't fight over cooking oh yeah the cooking <laughs> i didn't have anybody coming from my neck in that way <laughs> if you had to pick uh one book of the bible uh which one would be your favorite you think Ooh. um that's a good question. Um, recently, I would say 
um, Galatians because I've been reading more in Galatians and um, dealing with a lot of like legalism and trying to dismantle some things um, in my own life and like some systems that I grew up under. And Galatians really handles a lot of that sort of thing. So it's been encouraging to see what Paul had to say about it and the way that he addressed um, those toxic behaviors and systems has been enlightening for me um, because I feel like I do that on a daily basis or I try to. Um, So I see Galatians more recently, but other than that, I really like Romans um, is really good. I did a study in Judges not too long ago, and that was actually pretty interesting, but Judges is not for the week, so um, that's kind of a crazy book. (laughs) Yeah, those early books can either be like very exciting or very snooze fest mm-hmm. if you're if you're yeah. not like committed to reading them right well judges is pretty intense um there's a lot of stuff that goes down in there so proceed with caution <laughs> yeah and if you don't like powerful women you don't want to read about judges either right exactly exactly so basically, most of the people there <laughs> that interact with you on Twitter. Right. No, I actually had a guy DM me today, and he said, are you even a godly woman? And I was like, I don't know how, I don't know how to respond to this. How do you even quantify a response to that? I don't know. I probably won't. <laughs> do you get DMs, like, every single day? Oh, yeah. Um, hundreds. Not every day hundreds, but like I have hundreds in my inbox on Twitter and Instagram, both. Um, I, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of overwhelming. Oh, I'm sure. I don't understand. I don't know how you deal with it. I would go mad. I just don't answer a lot of stuff at this point because unless it's, I feel like it's important enough to answer, but it's pretty rare that that actually happens. You have more willpower than I would. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't survive without it. <laughs> yeah, because I already have a tendency to want to react to people. Yeah. And they get under my skin. And so I would not do well with hundreds of people trying to get under my skin. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot. Most, the majority of the messages that I get are guys asking me out or saying that they like me or something like that so it's like that is really easy for me to <laughs> i'm surprised you haven't given up on guys because of that. That I, would be like, <laughs> I would be like i'm going to be a nun <laughs> yeah i've had the thought a few times if i was catholic <laughs> that is a whole nother whole yeah we don't need to get into that <laughs> Oh my gosh, the, they those they get pretty intense on Twitter. Mm-hmm. People that try to point out that, about them get attacked pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. I can speak from experience that that is correct. What is one issue issue that you're currently like passionate about, like whether um, Christianity or just like in the world yeah. in general? Um, so most recently it has been, um, the issue of modesty, which I know is like a very controversial topic in the church. And a lot of people have a lot of things to say about it. Everyone wants to be heard. And so 
I shied away from sharing anything about it because I have a lot of very strong opinions. Um, and I didn't, I knew I was going to get a lot of backlash. And so I already get a lot of backlash. So was, I, I kind of didn't want to like heap coals on myself, you know? And I was like, I don't, I don't necessarily see the need to be super controversial right now, but now I am starting a series on that and like digging into what biblical modesty looks like for not just women, but like also for men and like trying to dismantle the objectification of women in the church um, is something that I'm really passionate about because it's something that I experienced as a kid um, being objectified by pastors and people who I was supposed to be able to look up to. And so that was really damaging for my, um, my mind as a kid growing up and being told different things about myself and about the way that I should relate to the world and relate to men especially was very damaging. So trying to kind of change the narrative so that other young girls don't feel that way is something that I'm very passionate about. And it's something that I get attacked for the most because people don't like it when I try to tear down their idols. Oh yeah, definitely. People have a tendency to attack when you hit too close to home. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you have anything else, Isaiah? No, I don't have anything to add. That's good. Okay. Um, um, what do you think about the state of the church right now? Um, that's like, a very interesting your, question. <laughs> what is your opinion on that? Um, well, the state of the church as a whole, I would say that from what I can tell, a lot of good is going on and a lot of people are um, having their eyes opened and seeing the truth. And I feel like in my corner of the world, at least, I see a lot of people sharing the gospel and trying to genuinely serve God. Um, that wasn't something that I saw growing up and I grew up in ministry and a lot of the churches that I went to when I was growing up, I would say are very stagnant spiritually and like kind of dead. And that's really unfortunate. But ever since coming out of the circles that I grew up in, I feel like God is really moving and um, could bring revival anytime. And like, I feel like people are waking up and starting to um, talk about the toxic behaviors in the church that we've been struggling with and things that have been holding us back. And a lot of people have been asking for revival. And sometimes that means changing the way we actually do things and so trying to fight back against the things that have been holding the church down because we've been basically like stifling our own candle you know like like covering our own light because we Mm -hmm. fight so much amongst ourselves and so I think it's been encouraging to me to be able to surround myself with people who are less worried about what other Christians are doing and more worried about actually sharing the gospel with those who've never heard it and that's been pretty encouraging so i think that and the church as a whole i'm not sure because there's so many factors that go into it but god is still moving and there's nothing that's going to stop him from moving and i think that a lot of good has come out especially the last few years with the pandemic and everything a lot of people have had their eyes opened and been able to see the goodness of god through all of that and i think that's really amazing yeah i definitely would say that like as I'm like seeing all that stuff on Twitter that can be a bit um, discouraging because it seems like it's quite the opposite of what you mentioned it seems like it's a lot of like regression like 
a lot of infighting and you know like too much focus on what it, other believers are doing and instead of like the importance of sharing the gospel so yeah it's encouraging to hear you say that and it makes me realize that sometimes i need to you know kind of unplug from that and like Mm -hmm. go out go out into the actual (laughs) trenches and see what's going on Mm -hmm. which i'm i'm supposed to do a mission trip through um the organization that my campus ministry is affiliated with um in july so that's definitely um should be interesting we're i'm working with the yeah uh, plant camp a church plant camp in um utah actually so that should be interesting experience Mm -hmm. finally get out there what does a bible believing christian look like in a modern society without being um without giving ground on their beliefs oh wow so like a countercultural person um yeah like yeah kind of like how do how do we fit into culture without like becoming like the culture well i would say that we have to fit our culture around our belief system not the other way around so um Mm -hmm. If we are going to be grounded in the word of God, then we have to fit everything else we believe around that. We can't try to change the narrative of God's word to fit around our belief system or our personal bias, no matter what that is. Even in like, even if you're a Christian and you you have a certain conviction or something like that, like if you can't back it up in scripture, keep it to yourself. And whether you're talking to someone in the world or another Christian, and that's something I've seen a lot is people sharing opinions but not being able to base them on the word of God. And um, honestly, for me, living counterculturally has just been trying to ground everything that I believe in the Bible. And if I can't find it in there, then I don't hold on to it. And if I can, then like, I'm like, that's the truth. That's what God says. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because this is what I'm going to believe because this is what he says to do. And so, really actually sticking to that and the strength of your conviction is determined by whatever it takes to change it. So if, I um, mean, it makes you think of kind of like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in, in the book of Daniel, um, when they were called to bow down to the golden image and they didn't, and they had to face um, Nebuchadnezzar and he threw them into a fiery furnace. And just thinking about that situation and kind of what it looks like to, go against the culture because you know that God has called you to something higher and knowing that he is going to protect you in every situation you come into and every person you come in contact with, like he is going to be um, trustworthy through everything and that you can rely on him to keep you safe. And like all you need is God. So at the end of the day, everything else in this world is going to fade away. So grounding yourself in the world is like, building a house on sand and expecting it to stand and it's not going to like it it just won't work because everything outside of god's truth is going to fade away and so as christians we should just make sure that that he is our highest priority and that everything we do is centered around him and not trying to mold him into a box that we have decided he should fit into yeah that's good stuff 
yeah, I, I find that a lot of Christians don't under um know to how to navigate that. Like it it ends up becoming like progressive Christianity. Like they're trying to make God more relevant when like if you preach him in, in the right way and live your life in the right way, he's going to be relevant no matter mm-hmm. like when you like you say it. So like, right. I think, I think oftentimes people don't know how to navigate that and figure out like what that means to like use the use essentially use the culture, but in a way that glorifies God. Right. Well, I mean, God is not going to stop being relevant just because his truths aren't popular. Yeah. But I think I think a lot of times like people try to use the mediums of the of the world and that, you know I think that comes from a good place but like I mean like for say like you know going to ho- into Hollywood or doing music or whatever like mm-hmm. I think it comes from a good intentions but like because they're not grounded as much as they need to be they get they get lost in that right and then they end up trying to make god relevant when he doesn't need to be relevant because he's living and breathing right and yeah isaiah um yeah i just like um how christiana said like um we need to be like basing our culture off of um, the Bible and like, not like the other way around, you know? Cause I feel like um, a lot of like lukewarm Christians today, you know, will kind of like, um, you know, look at the culture around them and go along with it and kind of like fit the Bible into that, you know, like um, however it, um, fits in with it you know but like really bible is our standard like you know we need to um remember like we're in this world but not of it you know like um like our highest citizenship is like you know we're citizens of heaven like you know so just like keeping that perspective on it yeah for sure <laughs> And even like being like more politically on the right, I've I've come to realize that there's a difference between like conservative Christians and Christians who are conservative. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes a lot of them like are use their conservatism to form their faith instead of the other way around. So oftentimes they look just like the other side but just like talk different lingo. Like there's nothing that's really sets them apart. So I think that we, we have to remember that our, you know, our faith is what defines every aspect of our life Mm -hmm. and not lose sight of that. What is your opinion on Christian dating and online dating? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I, um, I am not a great person to ask for this because I haven't dated in a while. Um, but I'll try to give some perspectives. Um, as far as Christian dating, I think that, um, 
that we have to be careful and just make sure that like we're not being unequally yoked with someone. Um, but that being said, I have changed my personal um, beliefs on dating quite a bit since like in the past few years. Um, I used to say that I would only I would only date someone who was as strong in my faith as I was or stronger. And now I'm more of the opinion that growth is possible and um there's a lot of potential that can be had if you have a relationship with a believer who's like maybe a little bit weaker that you can give them grace and help them grow in that and that's something that God showed me and he was like why would you turn someone down because they're you know a little bit like not as I guess biblically knowledgeable or something like that like why would you do that when like you could just give them grace and help them along and like help them see the, the truth and so like that's not to say that you should be with someone who's not a christian because your dating life should not be your mission field god has not called you to that when he said be fishers of men he was not talking about dating so um that's a word for a lot of people <laughs> yeah so we have to be careful as christians to make sure that we are seeking someone who is seeking god's heart and ultimately trying to be close to him and as close to him as possible and if we are as close to god as possible then someone else who is also trying to be close to god will come alongside us at some point and like that's a good opportunity to enter in a relationship but i also haven't been in a relationship in a while and i haven't really dated in a while because it's just not something that's been in the cards for me lately but um yeah i i feel like i'm kind of rambling now but um, <laughs> but as far I mean, as far as online dating goes amongst Christians, I've seen a lot of that, and I've seen a lot of really successful relationships and marriages come out of online dating um, from Christians, not necessarily from dating sites, but uh, from Twitter, which is certainly a dating app. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who are engaged who met on Twitter. A lot of people who are in relationships who met on Twitter. Uh, so I. I think it's definitely very possible. Am I looking for someone on Twitter? Absolutely not. No, (laughs) absolutely not. But can it happen? Yeah, of course it can. Yeah, I was about to ask that. I was like, would you be up to it? (laughs) Um, I have tried it a a few times. I had a few talking stages last year, and it burnt me out on Twitter, guys. So, yeah. Well, people can can pretend to be whoever they want to online unfortunately right exactly mm-hmm. well it was more of me getting into a situation than just getting ghosted because apparently i wasn't interesting enough <laughs> what <laughs> you not interesting enough? i don't know how it happened but <laughs> they must be pretty boring if they didn't think you're interesting <laughs> <laughs> you're the, one of the most interesting people i know on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just silly boys yeah boys that's that's the emphasis word yeah (laughs) well something that actually just came to mind is um christians can make dating weird and they can make it too serious and then there's also the possibility of making it not serious enough so i think that Mm -hmm. when you approach a dating relationship or if you're interested in someone then you should not enter into a relationship with them unless you can see yourself down the road with them some somewhere and somehow and um like if you feel like they're someone you would be willing to marry someone who you would be okay with your child being like then that's kind of a good marker for whether or not you should date them I'm like because when I 
consider a guy, I'm like, would I want my future son to emulate this man and his characteristics and um, be, you know, be like him? Would I want my future son to be like him? If the answer is no, then I won't date with him because I'm like, why would I not want my future kids to be like that? Because when I'm considering someone, it sounds very serious, but I'm not only looking for a husband, I'm looking for a father for my children, you know? And so as a woman, that's something that's very important to me is that he be high of high character. But as Christians, we can kind of take it too seriously sometimes to where we're like, I won't even go on a date with someone unless I feel like I want to marry them. I'm like, well, you're not going to really find someone who you want to marry unless you go out on dates. So like be receptive to, to that and like be open to that and just like getting to know more than one person, even at a time is fine. Like they're not the one until you say I do. So like, yeah. Just be open to different relationships and you never know what God is going to bring your way. I know a lot of people who never saw it coming when they met their spouse and, you know, it like God with all, with God, all things are possible. So if you are listening and you kind of like, don't know what steps or you don't know what you should do, just ask yourself if you can bring more glory to God with this person or without this person. And if the answer is that you can bring more glory to God with them, then pursue it. And if the answer is that you can bring more glory to God without them, then it's not worth pursuing. Are you referencing Apostle Paul there? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just giving some advice. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, he would probably say something along those lines, but I wasn't necessarily referencing him on purpose. Isaiah, you have anything to add? Uh, I just really like that point that you made about, like, you know, would I want my future children to, like, be like this man, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I hadn't necessarily thought of that uh, before, so that was really good. Yeah, coming from, like, a slightly dysfunctional family i've come to realize like the importance of that like Mm -hmm. in seeing the marriages in my family i'm like and like how they interact with their children and i'm like you know i realize how important like not only like marriages doesn't just affect you it affects everybody in your like vicinity right Mm -hmm. so i think it's like like you said, people don't take stuff seriously enough sometimes, and mm-hmm. you have to you have to um, consider the ramifications of everybody else's life as well as your own. Right. Exactly. What has God been teaching you lately? Um, lately, I would say to be patient. And that's something that's very hard for me because I'm, I've always been like a go-getter person and I always know what I want and I go after it and I get it by whatever means necessary. And that's not to say that I like do bad things to get my way, but I've always just been the kind of person who's like, no, I know what I want and I'm decisive and I'll go after it. And then more recently, it's been like, I know what I want and I can see it, but God has been asking me to wait and just like saying like it's if it's meant to happen then it will happen and if it's not then it won't happen and so with many different things in my life that have been going on like relationships and work and um some goals that I have I just feel like when it's supposed to happen it will happen and until then I'm going to keep working 
you know, just keep my head down and keep going towards the goal. I mean, Paul said I pressed toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to do right now is just keep my head down and do what I know I'm called to do. And everything else that is supposed to fall into place will at the right time when God has it for me. And so I, I have not necessarily been pursuing things that I normally would seek out, but I think it's been really good because he's been teaching me to just wait and be patient and let him do the work for me because that's what he's promised he will do. Mm-hmm. I can definitely resonate with that because I'm not a very patient person myself. Mm-hmm. But, I think, but I think um, something that I like to reflect on that kind of reminds me of like that God moves when he like think it thinks you're ready basically is mm-hmm. like um corny enough um Gandalf when he said um a wizard is never late he arrives precisely when he means to and mm-hmm. since like he's a representation of Jesus that kind of helps me mm-hmm. you right. know, keep things in perspective that like right. he's that's not when he's supposed to come so he's not coming then right so well the bible does the patience right the Bible tells us, it says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So I'm like, God is not going to hold something back from you just for the sake of holding it back. Like he is not holding something over your head and it's not like he doesn't have a carrot on a stick. Like that's not how he works. He's not like, just, just keep chasing it and eventually you'll get it. And he's not, he's not playing you. It's not teasing you. Like that's not how he works. So if you have a desire in your heart, the Bible tells us that God will fulfill those. And the only reason that God does not fulfill the desires of our heart is if he has something better in mind. Yeah, definitely. And I think what a lot of people fail to, like, they they misuse that kind of scripture. Like, is be, like he's not going to necessarily give us what we want. But, like, the mm-hmm. thing is, if, if we grow closer to him, our desires are beca- going to become his desires. Right. So that's when he, you know, moves and... Uh, fulfills the desires of our hearts because we're mm-hmm. in, we're in tune with him right exactly okay i have a i have a big question okay <laughs> um do you think we're in the end times i think we've been in the end times since the ascension <laughs> Since Jesus well, left I, this yeah, earth. I guess I, I, guess, I, I guess that should have been more specific. <laughs> like, do you think we're like, Jesus is going to come back in our in our um, lifetime? Oh, my goodness. Um, that's impossible for me to say. Because <laughs> God's word says that nobody knows the day or the hour. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but yeah. Um, would I like him to come back during my lifetime? Absolutely. You can come back tonight. It'd be fine. It'd be great. It'd be so great. Like I wouldn't have to worry about anything again ever. That'd be awesome. Um, do I think he will? I don't know because I think that a great work is being done in the world right now. And I think that it can either go really, really bad or God can turn things around and another great awakening could happen or a revival or some move could happen. And like i don't know do we have another chance maybe (laughs) things are going pretty badly right now and it's been downhill for a while but with god all things are possible and so i think that god is not going to 
I mean, Jesus is not going to return until the last possible person has accepted him as their savior. Every single person who's meant to is going to. And so, I mean, it's impossible to know how long we have left because people have been trying to predict it for hundreds of years. I mean, well, yeah, apostles... I, wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to like, right. No, you. you're no, <laughs> but I mean, like Peter probably thought that he was, that Jesus was going to return during his lifetime. Like they have been waiting. We've been waiting for Jesus to return ever since he said he was going to. And, um, people like to say the Bible's not relevant. Well, we're living in a Bible story right now. Like revelations has not been fulfilled. Like, we are still living in Bible times. Everything that's happening is biblical. So I think being aware of the signs of the end times and what those look like and what the Bible says that those are going to look like, have we been seeing some of those? Yes. How much longer we have? I don't know. Because there's many things that the Bible says are going to happen that still have not. And he doesn't give any timeline. Like, for Revelation, there's no timeline at all. Well, like like you said about like, I know I know you weren't just, like wishing for him to come back for the sake of like, like getting getting out, you out of here and not caring about everybody else. But I think oftentimes it bothers me when people say that because it's like they're concerned with getting out themselves, but not like other people coming with them. If that makes sense, right? Right. And. Yeah, like I feel like that can be somewhat selfish because it's not like they don't they're not concerned about like other people going to hell themselves. They're just concerned right. about getting out of the mess themselves. Sorry, that's my dog who just came <laughs> in my room. He just came in. <laughs> um, no, I agree with you and I think that that's something that I used to really struggle with was saying, um, I would be like, I wanna get married before Jesus returns or I want to, you know, have kids or experience certain things and now I honestly don't have anything that I feel like I need to experience before the Lord returns. And I'm like, if I do great. If I don't amazing. Yeah. I de- think we definitely have to take on, take on the, like the attitude of apostle Paul, like to live, to live as Christ and to die as gain. So like, right. If I'm here and I get to experience that stuff, good deal. If I'm not like even better. Right. Yeah, and I feel like there is nothing that is going to fulfill me on this earth the way that Jesus is going to fulfill me. So, I'm like, if I'm not with him, it's, it's, it's yeah, not worth it, you know, yeah. in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. So, um, what what is your story? What is your testimony? Oh, wow. Um, there's a lot. I don't know if we have time tonight, but I, so I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I was raised in ministry. I grew up traveling the U S full-time, um, part-time for like 13, 14 years, but full-time for seven years, meaning my family lived on a tour bus and we did not have a house and we would travel from church to church. We went to about a hundred churches a year all across the U S um yeah so (laughs) whenever i say i've been in a thousand churches and i know what they're all like like i it's not an exaggeration um but i was raised in the independent fundamental baptist denomination which if you're not familiar with it is very legalistic and rulesy and there's a lot of um 
there's a lot of things you have to do to measure up kind of and so like now that I'm out of it I like to say that it's like a bunch of old guys getting together to talk about how much they hate everyone who isn't them and then teaching the young people to do the same so that's kind of the vibe <laughs> so so basically the pharisees right basic no exactly exactly right and so they will go so far as to say that the apostles were baptists i'm like well the denomination didn't exist then so the only one who's a baptist was john the baptist and it's not the same <laughs> so um a lot of crazy things that they believe and they're very strict on things like modesty music i grew up being told that if that it was a sin for women to wear pants um i did not listen to any secular music when i was growing up other than like classical music i was only allowed to listen to christian music and not even like contemporary christian music i wasn't allowed to listen to any of that because people believe that the the devil invented drums you know so like stuff like that that i grew up believing that was really just not biblical at all alcohol was a sin tattoos were a sin piercings were sinful things like that that were just extra biblical and so when i was about uh 18 years old i started to question everything and i started just to be like why do i do all this stuff why do we do all these things like why are we trying to please these people like are we doing this for god or are we trying to be people pleasers and so my dad and I started to just look in the Bible and try to find the things that we believed and their standards that we were trying to keep. And they weren't in there. And the Bible is a guideline, but it's not going to be a rule book for every single part of your life. There's not a guideline for modesty. There's not a guideline for dating. It's just like, you finds a wife, finds a good thing. So I was like, okay, well, how do I go about doing that? I don't know, like try and figure it out in some ways. And then in others, the Bible's more specific. So for me, it was a lot of unlearning things that I had been taught as a kid and then having to relearn new things, the way that God wanted me to think and the way that he wanted me to act. And so as a young adult coming out of that, I pretty much just purposed in my heart to bring glory to God. And I was like, in whatever way possible, I want to be on the same page with God and in his will, whether or not that makes other people happy, whether or not other people are pleased by my actions, I want his approval. And at the end of the day, if I don't have anyone else's, I don't care because if I have his, then that's enough for me. And so I lost an entire friend group over that. Um, I started wearing pants <laughs> and was called a harlot immediately by my best friend who I thought was going to be friends with me forever. We don't even talk now. Um, I, When I say I lost an entire friend group, I mean every single person who I grew up with for my entire life walked out on me because I chose to go along with what God had for me and not what they had for me. And so going against the narrative got me shunned, basically. Um, I don't really talk to any of those people anymore. There's a few acquaintances, but I lost a relationship, lost a friend group. And not only that, like people for years and still today slander me and say terrible things about me as a person without even knowing anything about me. And so that's kind of been something that I had to go through as a young teen. And looking back now, I wouldn't change anything because I had found my identity in those relationships and those friendships and in order for me to find my identity in 
Christ, he had to take those things away from me. He had to remove them from me. Because if I was going to find myself in him, then they, I wasn't going to be able to find myself in anything else. And so when he removed everything and when he was all that I had left, I realized that he was all that I needed in the first place. But it took a lot of pruning to realize that. And so now looking back, I'm really just thankful for the way that he was there for me as a father and as a friend. Um, because when you lose a lot of friendships, it can be really, really devastating, especially at a young age. But I never lost sight of the truth and I never lost my conviction because I knew that God was on my side and I knew that he was pleased with what I was doing. And I still feel that way. And I'm not perfect now. I still mess up and I'm still learning a lot of things, but I feel like I'm, as long as I'm trying to bring glory to God, then it's pretty hard to go wrong. Yep, definitely got to go with mm-hmm. your convictions over what other people say. Right. And so I guess to finish up my testimony, I would say I made a profession of faith when I was 11 years old. Um, and basically that just meant praying a sinner's prayer, <laughs> um, which is not biblical. And so that was kind of the thing. Like when I was actually a kid, a youth pastor came to our church. We had a new youth pastor and he said that he, that he went and asked my parents if I had made a profession of faith yet, meaning pray to sinner's prayer. And they said, no, she hasn't. And so he made it his mission to make sure that I prayed a prayer of faith, um, which is not salvation. Like that's not how someone is saved by saying a few words, but he like set out and made it his mission. And I finally did when I was 11, said a sinner's prayer and nothing changed in my life. I wasn't exactly like a party animal or anything at 11, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but nothing changed. Like I didn't really feel any spiritual awakening. All I knew was that, now I was getting baptized and now people stopped gossiping about me because they knew I was, you know, saved. So I'm just like a good little Christian. And for years after that, until I was about 14, 15 years old, I struggled so much with so much doubt of my salvation because I felt, I was like, if I didn't feel any change, like, was I just faking it or did I not say the right words or, you know, was God not listening when I prayed that? Do I need to pray it again? And so for years, every night praying that same prayer over again to myself and being like, when is it going to feel right? Like, when am I going to feel like God's pleased with me? And it was because I was still trying to find my identity and everything that everyone said I should be and not what God said that I was, which is his identity in me. And that just bred so much fear and doubt in me. And I never talked to anyone about it because I was an evangelist's daughter I was supposed to be perfect. You know, I was, I was like, I was like the celebrity who went to the churches and sang on stage in front of everyone. And I was supposed to have it all together and I didn't at all. And so I was afraid that if people knew that, that they would make fun of me. And that was a lie from the devil to just keep breeding fear in me. But when I was um, about 14 years old, I decided to stop doing that. And I don't even remember like an exact day or time or anything, but I just remember I was like, I'm not going to try and measure up anymore because I can't. And as long as you try to measure up, you're going to feel like you're less than worthy because you can't measure up. It's impossible. So you have to understand that Jesus has already measured up for you. He came and fulfilled the law because he knew you couldn't do it. 
So Jesus like was everything that you could not be so that you would not have to be anything that he was. And when, when I finally accepted that, I felt more peace. And then I would say my relationship with God actually took off in a real way when I started to finally put everything behind me and say like, no, these things are not biblical. I'm not going to be trying to look for the approval of men anymore. I'm going to be seeking the approval of God. And that's when my actual relationship with God kind of took off. And I started sharing more online and I started feeling like I was closer to him in a real way that I hadn't before because I finally gave up everything that I was trying to put my identity in and put it in Christ instead. So hopefully that makes sense. I think I was like rambling a little bit, but <laughs> that's kind of my testimony. No, it was good. You're, you're passionate about what you <clears throat> believe. So it may seem like rambling, but it was good stuff. But yeah, I definitely like think, like you said, like we have to, we, we have these things that we've been taught all our lives <clears throat> from the church and mm-hmm. you know, we have to unlearn a lot of them because they're not biblically based. Mm-hmm. I've begun to learn that a lot over the last several years. Like I know um, when I was, um, so I'm a, a Bible study leader at my um, campus ministry and we were having like a meeting and um, the guy that was leading was basically like, you know, explain the gospel to me. And so we kind of like started from like Genesis to, uh, um, you know, to the cross or whatever. And I like, he would, he was picking different people every week or whatever. And I was like sitting back and listening and like everything, every single person when they spoke, I pointed out the same exact thing. I was like, we use a lot of this, like use a lot of the lingo but it's like if we're trying to talk to somebody that's not familiar with the church or jesus or you know all this lingo like it's not going to make sense like we have to unlearn using all this terminology and just speak to people on their own level and Mm -hmm. i think because i think like that's how jesus was like you know he talked to the people about like farming and stuff like stuff that they would relate to like he didn't use this like complex stuff that he would have talked to the pharisees about like he wanted everybody to find salvation and i think i think if we try to like use this this grandiose language like we're missing a whole you know people group because Mm -hmm. they're so confused and they're like oh well this doesn't make sense i'm I'm not going to even bother like trying to understand this like right and like we have and I don't mean like dumb it down but like we have to you know do like Jesus and like reach to them where they're at Mm -hmm. right well and understand too that Jesus never turned anybody away even if their motive in coming to him was just to see a miracle or to get food or you know just be close to him like he never turned anybody away and that doesn't mean that everyone stayed um, with him and stayed following him but everybody was welcome and I think that's something that we should seek to emulate in the church at the risk of being called seeker friendly because Jesus was seeker friendly and he was there for anybody who wanted to seek him he was there for anyone who wanted to be close to him and oftentimes we as the church are not like that and we'll turn people away because we don't 
we don't deem them radical enough or sold out enough. And that's something that I think is really, really damaging the church. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely think like there has to be like a balance. Like Mm -hmm. we should welcome people with open arms, but at the same time, like not like, not make people think that their sin is acceptable either. Right. Well, Jesus never compromised himself for someone who came to him, but he also never turned them away. So he, you always have to come on God's terms. Anybody can come, but they have to come on his terms. And so that's something we should also seek to emulate, but also making sure that we're actually upholding God's terms and not our own, because a lot of what's happened in churches today with standards and things like that, where people aren't accepted is because they're not up to a church's standard and that church decided that God's standard wasn't good enough on its own, so they had to make their own. Yep. And there's people on both sides of that extreme. Mm-hmm. There's, you know. Yeah, definitely. People that like shun people, right? Like because they're sinful, which is, I've never understood that because it's like, let's this is the whole point of like Christianity is like people that are not perfect, keep being washed by the blood of Jesus and changed. So why are you? shunning people that are like in their sin this is exactly the place that you want them to be at yeah and then on like the opposite side of that is like we're gonna we're gonna make you feel comfortable here and like you're you're okay to continue living in your sin as long as you keep coming here and tithing but Mm -hmm. and they're both equally damaging in their own rights Mm -hmm. and what people don't realize is like since those you know those are the churches and the pastors that are preaching that kind of stuff like the bible says that they're going to be held to a higher standard so they're heaping more judgment on themselves and so like if you're not caring about that you don't care about the people Mm -hmm. and Essentially, you shouldn't be up on a pulpit if you don't care about people. Right, exactly. Anything to add, Isaiah? Um, yeah, I just think of um, in the Gospels when um, the Pharisees are asking Jesus, you know, like, why are you eating with, like, these sinners and stuff, you know? And Jesus says, um, you know, um, the doctor, you know, the doctors for, you know, the sick, not for people who are well. So, like, in the same way, you know, like, um, the church, you know, like, we want those people who need Jesus, you know. Um, We want, like the sinners, you know, the people um, might not necessarily make a church look good, you know, having them in it, but um, like, you know, the number one goal is just like bringing people to Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I definitely think that we've lost track <laughs> of that goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, the Great Commission is the ultimate goal, but we've lost our way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's e- even part of that is like a, a lot of Christians are content with just living out their 
faith in their life and not impacting anybody else. And I feel like that's so selfish because, like, essentially, God gave us that gift to share with others. And so it, it, it very much reminds me of that um, one parable where the master gives the three servants money to go invest and the one guy just puts it in the hole. Um, and I definitely think that like a lot of us are guilty of that, of just like taking this gift that God, you know, gave us and just holding on to it with dear life and only care about, you know, us getting into heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's a real problem because like, that's not our purpose. Right. Okay, so one last thing. Um, what is one thing that you will leave, would leave the listeners with? Like a piece of advice or whatever? Um, oh, man. I guess um, what I would say is just seek to glorify God in everything that you do and you're going to have a really hard time getting off track if that's your goal. And um, something that I've noticed um, in the church recently is that like we are really hard on each other for not following the standards that we all have individually, but I've rarely met a person whose goal is to follow God wholly, like with their whole heart, who is doing something that is contrary to his word. And so I think we get in these little arguments and like bicker with each other back and forth all the time over things that aren't even biblical when the fact of the matter is like we should all just be supporting one another and encouraging and edifying. And those verses are all to the church. Like (laughs) it's not our job to be tearing each other down. And so as you interact with people in the church, online, um, at school, at home, like just try to be honoring God. Um, in everything that you do and like you'll find success in your life if your goal is to bring glory to God because his his goal in making you was so that he would have glory so ultimately that's the highest calling and if he's getting the most glory out of everything that you're doing like you cannot go wrong well thank you for joining us and giving us a lot of uh, insight and wisdom yeah thank you for having me <laughs> I've enjoyed this a lot Yeah, it's been pretty good. All right, well, have a good night. You too. Simon Peter Music.